Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Urantia. What is Urantia? What have you discovered? Uh, tell us. What is your, Tell us. What's what? Tell us about your book. Yeah. So, um, my book is called New Age Grifter: The Story, the True Story of Gabriel Viranta and His Cosmic Family, and it focuses on this this character, this prophet, uh, so called, named Gabriel Viranta, who is a he's this guy from Pittsburgh. I'm in Pittsburgh. This is how I discovered him. He's like he was a local musician in the '60s. His like he got a couple divorces under his belt. He kept trying to like make a music career for himself and it kept falling apart. Um, his daughter passed away tragically at the age of seven and he started kind of hearing voices, but he was just kind of could not get ahead in life. And then as one does, he moved to Sedona and changed his name to Gabriel. And now he's got like <laughs> multiple wives and a hundred plus followers living in a compound and a radio station that places new age music 24 well, seven. There, there seems like there's a couple steps missing there. I mean, Sedona, and then all of a sudden he's a huge, well, he goes from, 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 I mean, you know, becoming a cult leader is not like uh, an overnight thing, you know? No, it's not. And um, to his, credit he really put the work in you know he um he began as like you know raised catholic and then in the 70s the duquesne university here in pittsburgh was kind of the center of the charismatic catholic movement like catholics who were you know catholicism is like traditionally at least in this country in this century traditionally stayed and traditionally kind of low-key and you know uh, I have like a a baby boomer friend who tells a story about like the priest taking a Bible from him saying, no, I read this. <laughs> you talk to me. I read the Bible. Um, so the charismatic <laughs> movement was kind of a response to all that. And it was very much taken up with like the Jesus hippie type people. Yeah. And that's the one where people kind of like do like, like they kind of wild out, right? They kind of speak in tongues and do trance dancing and. They they like to get their vibes high. Yeah, exactly. So it took like all the weirdest, like most interesting parts of kind of like what charismatic Christianity and put it under a Catholic lens. 
So this guy, this Gabriel of Urantia guy, Tony Delavin from Pittsburgh, he um he actually worked for years trying to build religious communities. He um first tried to start a Christian community in in uh, Tucson, Arizona in the 70s that fell apart when he started bossing everybody around and uh they didn't like him and um he alienated the backers. So then he ended up getting involved in the Urantia movement, which is a a new age, it's like a post-Christian religion where, you know, it, it's based on a, a channeled communication that came out of Chicago in the 1950s. Okay, so this guy did not create it. He kind of just got... So, because I remember, I think in the 80s, that book was everywhere, right? Yeah. That's like the white book with like the blue spiral thing mm -hmm. on the cover. It just says the Arantia book, and it looks like somewhat innocuous, but also very odd. Yeah. That was so, everywhere. I just remember like that was like the standard new age thing. I never read it, but uh, I think I mentioned to you on Twitter, Timothy Wiley was obsessed with that book. Uh, yes. And he would always be like, you know, quoting it while on PCP and, and ketamine, you know, but, you know, he was he was a special one. Yeah, it, it was funny. I um, I kind of felt a little at home once I started talking to the Urantia people and then they all started talking about Timothy. <laughs> I was like, oh, they, they knew him. OK. Yeah. Okay, yeah he well. was known, you know, he um, he went in his own direction. There's you know, he's got like a series of five books about talking to angels. Yeah. And it's like uh, based around like. Urantia book. Um, Urantia book, real quickly, is a it's a channeled, although they would not say it's channeled, a, a channeled, either a channeled book or a hoax of a channeled book that came out of Chicago. This guy named William Sadler, who was a eugenicist and a, okay. a part-time narc. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he wrote this thing and kind of the um important thing well there's two important things to understand about the urantia book first of all it it's like this cosmic space opera it's you know it's a very thick book it's all about planets and wars and battles and you know jesus is going to come eventually but in the meantime you're going from planet to planet it sounds and, like scientology yeah it's, it's it, i mean it definitely comes out of the same impulse you know of like sci-fi early 20th century um, and the other thing which is kind of cool about it is there's no priestly class. Everybody has equal access to spiritual technology and to revelation. You either read the Urantia book and discuss it with your friends, or you don't, and that's fine. Um, which makes it really odd for a cult leader or a potential cult leader to look at it and go, hmm. I'm going to use this for my fastest spiritual system hmm. which is what this gabriel guy did he was bumming around la in the 80s trying to get his recording career off the ground and discovered the urantia movement and when he was kind of laughed out my understanding is he's like laughed out of the la urantia scene so he ended up in <laughs> sedona another frustrated musician turned cult leader exactly <laughs> it seems to happen yeah so so that's the so that's how he ended up in sedona and and then the Sedona thing, it started out as a study group and, you know, these cult leaders, they're usually like self-taught. They don't, you know, they don't study. I mean, surely enough has been written that you could study it if you wanted to, but it all tends to be a, you know, kind of an ad hoc thing. But he, he, he built up a small community and as they started making more money, he started getting more desire for money and now he lives in a 
like I said, compound in a mansion. So this guy's still going. Yeah, he's uh, he's got to be about seventy six right now. He's had a lot of health problems, so he's going to be going any day, and that he's going to be dead any day. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to his little empire that he's built. Mm. He's amassed millions, if not a billion. Wow. Dollars. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. That, I had no idea that this was that big. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten it was even a thing, to be honest. So. Yeah. Um, so that's Tony. And uh, yeah. And I discovered this book in uh, or this this movement. He's So he's got a band and it's called Talius Van and the Bright and Morningstar Band. Cool. So it's like two ampersands. <laughs> cool. Okay. And um and it play and it's really just kind of like generic like fusion jam music, but <laughs> he can't sing at all. He sounds this like also sounds like Scientology. Have you ever seen any of those like Scientology put out CDs of like like Isaac Hayes and other people like doing and like singing and like L. Ron Hubbard singing and just this is like awful. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Chick Corea, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he um. So he started, he had this band and, um, I saw some, some friend of mine came over. He's like, you got to see this, this band, this Tellius van song. You should Google. It's called energy master. It's like 11 minutes long. <laughs> and, um, and I just made fun of it on the internet and an ex member of the cult found me and was like, if you, you know, you, you haven't seen half of it. And then, that took me down into a rabbit hole in 2016 that I've never quite escaped from. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically you, you were looking at this one branch of the cult, but it sounds like it got pretty dark as you were looking further, oh, yeah. and further into it. Well, you know, doing a story about people who have, you know, as funny or as weird or as peculiar as, you know, a cult is it's, um, it's also like organized, mechanized trauma factory. Mm -hmm. And um, and when you're dealing with people who were in a cult, it takes a while to get to, to get to know them. And, you know, it's not like the most, it's not the, without casting aspersions, it's not like the most like healthiest like group of people just because they're all dealing with extreme trauma. And, um, so when I started, it was kind of like a joke, not a joke, but it was like, here's these strange people doing these strange things. And yes, they're, uh, spying on each other and they're, you know, working for free and all the money's going to the leader. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually you start hearing about, you know, especially in the early days, there wasn't much supervision of the kids, you know, es essentially because the kids can't work they're not making money so okay. they're kind of warehoused and some of the caregivers it seems and some of the kids were abusive and so there was sexual abuse going on there was like poor medical care uh people not getting adequate medical care people not getting just enough food to eat and to this day you know their educational system is so it's not actual they're not learning how to read or spell or yeah, that sounds like Scientology. Also. Do math. Yeah. It's very Scientology like, and it's yeah. The guy's daughter who sends escaped said that when, when she was little, she was at like a, uh, a flea market and she saw some Scientology DVDs. So she like, she was like, 
Scientology. I think I heard my dad talking about that. So she was all proud. She brought him home and he was like, you can't have these. And like He took them away and she would catch them at night, like watching Scientology DVDs when he thought everybody was asleep. That's the thing. I'm sure you've had the same experience, but it, this also, this always really disturbs me actually. Cause you know, I think we're, we're, we're similar in the regard that like we've both spent a lot of time in this kind of journalistic fashion, investigating kind of like wacky stuff and like mm -hmm. occult things and fringe things. And it's like, you always like come at it from, I don't mean you specifically, but myself yeah, or, you know, right. anyone who's kind of doing it from this cultural perspective is like coming at it from this like meta or arch perspective of like, wow, look at this crazy thing. Like kind of like approaching it like outsider art. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always, but then there's always the moment when you're actually hanging out with people where it's like, oh, like, no, they actually believe this. That, yeah. that that moment always disturbs me still. It's like, wait, you don't even like have slight distance from this? It's like, no, people like absolutely believe. And it could be anything, you know? Like I've met people who like 100% believe everything that Crowley wrote. It's like, he actually is the prophet. It's like, are you sure about that? Um, and, uh, you know, like the, it, I think coming from a perspective of thinking of these things as more like art projects or a way that people have of expressing themselves. And then you come across cults and they are kind of like all slightly different, but all pretty much the same. And, uh, that, that is disturbing. The other thing that I've noticed, you probably notice this too. It's like people who are in cults will like hop between cults and they're yes. kind of like always looking for like the one that has the truth with like no meta filter on that. Yeah. It's a, a woman, uh, who uh, actually just passed away, um, Laura Johnston Cole. She was in Jonestown almost up to the Whoa. day. And uh, she says, you know, you never forget your first cult because she, she left Jonestown and she goes to Synanon. And then she meets this woman, Linda Cunningham, who leaves Synanon and joins up with Gabriel and begins and like is kind of heads up like the psychological manipulation like program of Gabriel. So they're all interrelated in a weird kind of haphazard way. It's a small world. And once you meet like one person in that world, you end up like meeting, they all know each other. Okay. It's really, so it's really what, strange. What exactly do they believe? I know like they have this book, this channel book, but what exactly, yeah. what, what was the hold of this? Well, I guess I have two parts of this question. One is what exactly is this ideology and two, what was the hold that it had over people? So I'm, I'm not like a, uh, Urantia book expert. And what I do know about it is mostly because of what Gabriel teaches. So when I'm speaking, I'm not talking about like, I guess what you would call the Orthodox Urantia book movement, but I'm talking about the cult. Um, just a little disclaimer. So, so that there, you make a distinction there. Like there's like, yeah. there's the, 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 the mainstream. Okay. Your Well, <laughs> yeah, like like the harmless this. people that just sit around and talk about angels. Okay. And, um, and then this guy who developed a control system around it, because I mean, he's not, He's not like idly just like passing around the Urantia book. He's adding to it. He's having revelations. He's hearing the voices in his head. He's channeling. He's writing, you know, volumes. I've I've seen like three or four volumes of his. So it's so it's really hard, like, you know, where 
Marantia book begins and where Gabriel ends. But Gabriel's basic idea is that him and his cosmic family, he calls them, uh, he he calls his cult the Global Community Communications Alliance, which is like, <laughs> I know, That's the, great. Like the most ridiculous. And he calls it like, it's like so boring. And then his <laughs> group, his group, he calls divine administration. They're like, okay. the, they're, they're like God's bookkeepers. And, um, and another, uh, and their belief is that, you know, Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes, he's going to take his followers up on a, a spaceship the earth will go through whatever earth changes it's going through and then they'll come back and they'll run the show. So like every, you know, everybody involved like in his community now is going to be governor of California or, right. you know, mayor of Cincinnati or it's possibly still better than Gavin Newsom. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh it, it's, it's, it's so possible. weird. I mean, it's like, it, it's easy to, I feel to kind of like, laugh at stuff like that but then you think about it and it's like how is this different from anything any other religion says i mean even like you look at scientology they're like okay xenu mm -hmm. this alien has implanted people in volcanoes and all this and it's like okay this is ridiculous on the face of it and apparently was made up by l ron hubbard's son when they gave him crystal meth and they just wrote down what he was saying <laughs> Did not know that. yeah yeah and he's like Great. seven it's a horrible story um but you look at it and it's like well like how is this different from like gnosticism it's really not. It's just like they put some science fiction terms in it or like what you're saying. It's like, how is that different? The book of Revelation says the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always this kind of like, uh, I like how you phrase it, kind of control program that gets run. Mm -hmm. that, and they, they seem to be very, I would guess as I'm saying this, that a big part of building a cult would be tapping in, keeping people infantilized and kind of tapping into their childlike um, like regressing them to childlike psychology. So if people are raised in Christianity, kind of mm -hmm. like going, there must be something powerful to being like, okay, well, it's just like what you were taught when you were a kid, but it's real and it's like turbocharged now, you know? You know, one of the reasons I do stories about cults and conspiracy theories and far out people is because I really don't, and this, you know, this is because of like confessions of a, middle school Robert Anton Wilson fan, but you know what I believe or what maybe some of my more with it peers believe we, I don't think we necessarily got here through any better means than Gabriel's followers got to where they are. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a, I have my political beliefs and my spiritual beliefs and I just kind of ended up there like through the same kind of, cultural brainwashing it just yeah. pointed me in a different direction and you know as meta programmers you know we try to break that um so you kind of try to have a meta view of it but i mean i think that looking at fringe subcultures is really a way of looking at what makes us all human it's mm. just that sometimes it manifests itself in a weird way sometimes it manifests point. itself in something that we think is perfectly normal but i'm sure you come from another country or another planet and look at your mainstream America, you're going to be like, how did they end up there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that on a daily basis. Um, exactly. No, totally. I, I, I love how you put that. Um, I mean, I said at one point, the only difference between a cult or cult, the only difference between cult and culture is the number of people in it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and so yes. I agree with you on that. It's like, and, and I like using Robert Anton Wilson as a touch point. I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about when I was talking about like viewing things from a meta perspective, ideally, if you kind of investigate all this crazy stuff, you can begin to, yeah, hopefully see that all the stuff that you believe is just as silly. And, but, yeah. but a lot of people go from that to, well, they need the, the truth now, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable to dwell in uh, maybe logic. Yeah. And, and part of the reason I went on to that and I'll just kind of put a fine point on that by saying that when I explore these subjects, you know, sometimes they're fun or funny, but I'm really not distancing myself from them or saying that I'm any better, you know? Mm. Um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons I need to get off Twitter is because you have like this new disinformation, like specialist subclass of like subculture of Twitter users that just sit around like, trashing people that don't believe what they believe or, you know, calling them now they're all Russian stooges. Right. And it's, you know, and it's the same weird. It's the same weird bigotry that's always come from the kind of liberal upper class that's, you know, yeah, which, I, you know, yeah. I call them the hall monitor class. Well, that's good. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. <laughs> What do you think um, that is, though? I mean, like you, you almost talked about that as a, you said organized disinformation as if it was like correct the record out there doing it or something. Like it was an organized thing. But is it just mass cultural panic and brainwashing? I don't know. You know, I, I also yeah. just try to stay off completely because it's it's toxic. Yeah. Like Twitter's really my only is my last um, social media. And it's just because people like you DM me and I need to be in touch. Yeah. And um I just pop on to like share a shitty opinion that's probably not funny in <laughs> retrospect and then pop off. That, that's um, all of us. <laughs> but um but you know it's that whole digression kind of leads to a point where it's like how do you end up in a cult? How do you end up staying in a cult? It's really no different than how do you end up in Austin, how do you end up staying with your family, even though they drive you crazy, mm -hmm. you're still in a community with them. It's bits and pieces. Like the former people, the former members that I've spoken to, it's got so bad that they had to leave. Like they were overworked there. They had medical problems or whatever. But up until that point, it's like, I joined this thing. They love bombed me. So I feel bonded with the community. And now, you know, my parents aren't talking to me because I drove them away. So it's not like I have anywhere to go. And, you know, I'm not getting paid. So I'm not, don't have to pay taxes. It's a pain in the ass, but mm. it's kind of an easy life. Oh, interesting. It's like, it's like being a 30 year old stuck at like, you know, as a sandwich artist at Subway and you're not, don't have the, quite have the motivation to leave, huh. you know, like, ah. Eh. I'm getting by, you know? Huh. So it's not that different. It's not like the whole brainwashed zombie thing is really just, you know, it's, it's a lot more subtle than that. That's not, you know, that's a myth. It's a lot more subtle than that. And it's something that if you're honest with yourself, you being every human being in society, you probably should see a lot of yourself in that. Yeah. You know, and, um, 
a lot of people in academia hate the term cult altogether. They call it new religious movements. They try to, and I think that they go a little too far trying to like a lot of them trying to walk this line where they can't say that Jim Jones was totally evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think it's that's like, too, that's too far just because yeah. I mean the new religious movement. Okay. But you know, it's like you, you kind of want to be careful be, before lending some of these things legitimacy because then mm-hmm. also, well, once things are legitimized, then it's easier for people to be attracted to them. And now it's like, it gets the stamp of approval and it's like, well, yeah. it could just be an, ab- an abusive cult, you know? So. Yeah. And you know, and I, I tried to walk that line with, like at the end of the day, I'm a journalist and I was speaking to people who left what they called a cult and they used all the terms of the, like the anti-cult movement, you know, cults and brainwashing and things that like, I weren't necessarily, if I was talking, maybe would it necessarily be so comfortable using, but I was telling their story. Mm. I think I, I just do think it's just a lot more subtle and a lot, the whole control thing, but it, it manifests itself in really ugly ways. They all, everybody spies on each other all the time and they have like forms. So it's like, if I catch you doing something, if I think, if I suspect that your thinking is incorrect, <laughs> I write a form, you know, so you haven't yeah. even done something. So like, it's like this Stal- is, Stalinism, exactly. Thought crime. And it's like a form that goes to your leader and goes to their leader and goes all the way up. And it's like, they have like a literal, it's like a cartography of like everybody's inner minds. So the, the, the leader can like look at any, at any point, look at the files and be like, this is what's going on in the brains of my followers. Hmm. And, and it's pitched as like a spiritual practice. Like we're going to help each other. Yeah. You know, Scientology does that also. Yeah. 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 It's, and the thing, the thing about that was the most disappointing about this whole pro- this book was that I was hoping that there was some spiritual technology there or something, you know, like as fallible as it is, you can look at an e-meter and be like, I know what they're doing with this. I wouldn't mind getting one and playing around mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. But Gabriel of Urantia doesn't have that. Like, it's literally just like a big con to get people to fund his recordings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's always the frustrating musicians like David yeah. Koresh or uh, Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to... I think just to circle back slightly, you were talking about it's very subtle and the idea of a brainwashed zombie is not a real thing. That's a really important point. The thing about cults is people never think they're in a cult until they realize they are. Right. And it's like, as, as you know, it's like cults usually target very highly educated people, like people with master's degrees. And, you know, it's like, uh, um, this is actually a point that George Orwell made at one point that totalitarianism, the, the easiest marks of totalitarianism are always the educated class. Like the kind of like people who are the hall monitor class on Twitter yes. where it's like they feel if you want to make it political, it's like even even if you just look at that kind of like hall monitor class on Twitter, it's like these people on some level feel bought into the system. They feel that they are in charge of policing it and upholding it, which is mm-hmm. total nonsense, of course. It's like like nobody cares about them, but they're like the useful idiots of the system. 
And um, when people feel, it's like when people have enough class arrogance, I think, mm -hmm. at least in a political context, to think that the system serves them when it clearly does not, those are the people that are the easiest marks. And I think that there's that, that applies also to cults. And, and one of the things that cults do also is like, there's a lot of people who just have a frustrated sense of significance, particularly educated people who feel like, you know, they want to be the hero of the story or they want the community. And then that becomes an avenue for it. So that's very insidious. And I think that people let their people, I think when they have a self image that they're, you know, they're intelligent, educated people, they've let their guard down in a way. Yeah. And, you know, it is part of manipulation is putting out warning signs to drive people away who won't, won't fall for your thing, won't fall for it. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, Gabriel with the robes and the weird names and, you know, all this stuff. That's very much meant to push away anybody who's at all. Interesting. Simple. Interesting. Okay. You know, um, and it just, you reminded me as you were talking about when I went, I went and like visited the compound. I went to Tucson and told them, called them up and told them that, you know, I heard this great radio station with this really good music and I wanted to check things out, you know, so, so they, 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 like, they went for that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ate it up. And it's like, they had like three oh phone God. calls, That's so like funny. different interviews. And they like had me like text pictures of me and they were like, you know, take off your glasses so we can see your eyes. Oh, I'm, Jesus. Like, okay. I'm like, is this like, what the hell? are they trying? Yeah. Is it surveillance or is it like psycho mimicry or whatever they call it? You know? Mm. And, um, I went and like the guy who like, I got there at the appointed time and they have a gate, you know, so I'm waiting outside the gate and the gate opens and this guy comes out and they frisk me. And, um, later I was talking to this woman who escaped her husband, that, the guy that's that, uh, frisked me was his name, his cosmic name. They all have cosmic names, of course. So the guy who frisked me was Arlen. And I spoke to his ex -wife. Arlen is a cosmic name? Yeah, Arlen. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, dude, just, just an aside. I drive around Pittsburgh and I see like cosmic names all the time. Like, like he's just taking like the names of like businesses in Pittsburgh and, like, <laughs> and giving them to people. Uh, you know, it's like Centria was the name of like one of the women, you know, like the one woman who's in charge and I'm like driving Jesus. and there's some like pharmaceutical company, Centria. Wow. Yeah. And, and um, the other guy, I got him to talk to me. Wow. What was his name? I uh, saw his name. Hurt, like car. Um, <laughs> his name was, he was, it was like the side of like a contractor and I like texted him the sign. I'm like, I just saw this sign and I think it's more than a sign and we should talk. He's like, okay. Um, interesting people. But um, Arlen, yeah, like her, she was shocked. Her, his ex-wife was shocked to hear that he was like the muscle and that he was like, you know, patting me down and looking for weapons and stuff. And she, she was like, there's nothing when I knew him that would lead me to believe that he would become like the enforcer for this cult. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he, you know, he finally got some, you know, 
I think he was a frustrated enforcer and somebody finally saw that and gave it to him, you know? Okay. He couldn't hack it in the real world, but in the cult, he could be a bully. No, that's a thing. I mean, particularly, I mean, even we could get into the, you know, obvious things like the Milgram experiment, but, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I think that that's a thing, even like with the frustrated musician thing, it's like, if you can't make it in, but it's also true of any subculture, if you can't make it in culture, well, maybe you can become a big deal in a subculture. Right. And that definitely does appeal to certain people. Oh, for sure. I mean, everybody, and, and it's all a matter of like when they get you, like, um, everybody has moments where they're vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's really important to point out that this is not, and this is kind of what I was trying to, to say earlier. It's not like, oh, there's those people who join cults. It's like literally anybody could get pulled in by the right sales pitch at any time. If you're in a vulnerable moment. Yeah. Totally. And we all are. It's just different. (laughs) You know, we're all part of something. Yeah. You just, you know, you can either take the, you know, I think as a human being, like the highest calling you can have is to realize that you're locked into something, that you've been sucked into something, and you're going to just try to take responsibility to bust yourself out of it. But so many of us don't even realize that we've been sold a bill of goods. I think that's why what you were saying about kind of looking at cults as a way of understanding the human experience is is so important, um, particularly now. And one of the things about talk one of the things about talking about cults now that makes it even dicier than you know the sixties or seventies or something like that is that of course corporate America has now taken all of those techniques and applied it to the workplace. You know, like, uh, I don't know if you've had jobs like this where you go in and it's like, you have to do all the corporate rituals and, you know, there's, there's all this stuff, you know, kind of like loyalty tests. And it's, it's not Mm -hmm. the the number one is it's, oh, it's not a job. It's your family. It's like, we're all family here. It's like, no, we're fucking not. Just let me do my job, collect my check and go home. But no, no, you have to be part of the family. So it, it, there's just this blur or drift between, um, Control, you know, like systems of control, as Burroughs would have put it. It it all kind of blurs together. And America is very cult-like. And of course, you know, like one of my friends said, it's like America is an MLM scheme, you know, from top to bottom. And it's like, um, even what, who was it? It was like one of these, one of these ridiculous senators. It was either Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Christian cinema or one of these people is like literally an MLM person. Really? Yeah. I may not be remembering. It's somebody, somebody like that, but it's like. And now it's even more, it's, it's more, so much more painful to talk about because we have this like cult-like system of politics now, where, whether it's like Trump and QAnon or the kind of Twitter hall monitors where it's like everyone is clinging to irrational beliefs violently yeah. at this point because uh, they don't know what to do because everything is so confusing. I don't know. Like what really drives me nuts and, you know, living in Western Pennsylvania, I have the, uh, and doing the kind of work that I do, I have the privilege of hanging out with a lot of militia people, <laughs> okay, QAnon and anti-vaxxers. And like, at least, you know, where you stand with those people. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, <laughs> it's really, there's nothing worse for me as a human being than to be talking to somebody I agree with on 90% of the things, but they, but they latch onto it with such a 
messianic fervor. It's not because they've thought it through. It's not because anybody else is allowed to have an opinion. It's because it's, it's like, I believe in science, you know, it's like science, you know, what I think or what I say science is. Right. Drives me nuts. Yeah. That also drives me nuts. It's all a cult. Yeah. And that's very disturbing to me. I mean, I'm kind of laughing about it, but like, I definitely have had these kind of like vertiginous moments where I'm just like, what is not, and it's not in like a cool guy, like I read Robert Anton Wilson in Burroughs way. It's like in this distraught way of like, what, what do like, is literally everything I believe bullshit potentially. I have one of these experiences. Um, there's this guy I want to have on the podcast named Steven Novella, who's one of these super hard headed rationalist guys. Oh yeah. And he, he, he did this, this, um, audio series on the great courses called your deceptive mind, which I recommend for every human being where he just goes through and systematically demolishes every single cognitive bias and like just wrecks wrecks like irrevocably every single possible mystic or occult belief you could possibly have and shows you how like your mind is deceiving you all day long mm-hmm. and how people who understand that can prey on that yes and uh, and your cognitive uh, biases and your um what's that one uh, confirmation fallacy and things like that mm-hmm. and how easy that is and it, it never ceases to astound me how easy it is for not just certain people, but everyone to be like suckered in by that at any point. It could be a cult leader saying like, oh, look there, you know, the angel numbers appeared right when I said they would, you know, it's like, well, okay, like it's 11-11, so that means I'm the Messiah. Or it could just be more subtle, like the tricks the media or jobs play. Um, I mean, I think that, that corporate America has become very good at psychologically kind of crippling people and keeping them in that treading in water place, like the, the subway sandwich artist, your hypothetical person you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing most of my work right now is about the predator catcher community. Are you familiar with this no. weird subculture? There's a subculture. It's basically like DIY to catch a predator. Oh, Jesus. It's a subculture oh, what could go pe- wrong? <laughs> oh, I know. And it's a subculture of people who go on grinder, pretend they're underage. No. Pretend they're adults. And then once they start talking to you, they throw in, oh, by the way, I'm 14 and hope you don't notice it. And then when they, you make up a, make a, you know, a date to hook up or whatever, you know, cameras and they, they blast your, you know, they video you, they put it on YouTube, they dox you, they, you know, they're selling merch, they have Patreons. I mean, they're influencers, like they're full on influencers. What leads somebody to become that? I don't know, man. It's such a bizarre thing to do with your life. It's like, well, the ones that I've met are literally like chronic. That's I was just reminded with the subway sandwich artist, you know, example. Cause it was like, they're literally like the two I hung out with recently. They're in Erie. So fading rust belt town in Northwest Pennsylvania can't get steady jobs, have nothing better to do, but watch YouTube videos all day. And that's how they educate themselves. Um, and like have no idea that like what they're doing is crazy or dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, you know, I've spoken to victims of these people who, uh, and once somebody says you're a pedophile, there's no way you can, you know, you can't have a job. Yeah. Um, even though like you can't even defend somebody, you can't even say maybe we should wait for all the facts because then you're a pedophile friend or whatever. (sighs) And yeah, it's like, that's such a dangerous know, thing. 
Yeah, I don't know how we got on this, but it's like well, England used to be like that in the nineties. Yeah, know, probably remember. You know, it's like all the like there was like this famous case in England where this whole like rage mob, um, I think like literally attacked and possibly burned down the house of a guy that they thought was a pedophile, but he was a, a pediatrician, mm-hmm. and they just misread the word oh, pediatrician and thought it was pedophile. <laughs> so yeah like that That's, happened in like 98 oh, or something like that wow so yeah. it's like yeah the madness of crowds yeah and it's you know i hate this like this tendency you know Stephen hassan uh, who is like a cult expert he wrote a book the cult of trump how anybody who voted for trump is in a dangerous cult and like that's a bit of a broad broad sweeping statement it is. And it's like, it's like somebody that has a framework for understanding reality that goes and tries to apply it for, to anything that'll sell a book. And, um, you know, so I think it's very dangerous to use the term cult. Um, I'm saying this cause I was just about to say everything's a cult. I don't well, think everything is a cult. I don't know. But, I might, I might, uh, I mean, families well, in a sense are cults as well, but, uh, uh, yeah. You know, I think Maybe the dynamics far, in, yeah. you know, I would just say the cult dynamics are used are in every aspect of human interaction. It's just the cult is what's it's the same reason Colin Wilson wrote about um, serial killers. Hmm. You know, he was like using an extreme example to point at something that, you know, has some sort of universal application as far as like abnormal psychology is psychology hmm. you know hmm. i never read that book but i know what you're talking about yeah he got there through um writing about like abraham maslow you know okay. so it's like who famously did not want to talk to people who were mentally ill he only wanted to study the the healthy ones yeah who's healthy though i mean what are your criteria <laughs> well yeah exactly maslow wasn't apparently really well i mean i I can't remember any good stories, but I think he was a little like little narcissistic or something. Yeah. And then Abby Hoffman, you know, a lot of his philosophy came from taking Maslow's class and I think dating Maslow's daughter. Really? Sure. Yeah. The Brandeis. Yeah. The small, small world. Small world. Huh. Indeed. So it sounds like, I mean, it's kind of like, when we were talking about this on Twitter, I tweeted your your book sounds hilarious. But then I thought you know, maybe maybe that's a little offensive because it sounded like also like there's some serious damage done by this group. And there's like it's always easy to forget. It's like th- this is like people's actual lives. You know? Yeah. And and it was interesting because it took me a while to get there. It's like as a journalist, you talk to somebody for two years, and then they're like, "Oh, by the way, I was sexually abused," mm. and you're like kind of burying the lead here. Yeah. Although I understand why it would take that long to go into that. Like I'm not criticizing, but it's kind of like you really have to stick with a story for a long time to know what it really is. And the media now doesn't afford you that time. Like the no. fact that this was all self-funded. I um before I did the book, I did a like an eight-part podcast that I think 30 people have heard. Uh, the so-called prophet from Pittsburgh, you guys can Google it after you listen to this. Um, so, you know, I literally took me, I started talking to these guys in 2016 podcast came out in 2020. 
2019. I did the majority of the reporting in 2019. The podcast came out in 2020, and then the book came out in 2021. Hmm. It seems to me like pod, like the media definitely gives nothing time. And then there's always the, what is it, like the Dunning-Kruger effect, where everything they, everything they do is seems wrong. But um, podcasts, I think, have afforded the ability for people to really get into some of these stories. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there's one... Um, Leah Remini and Mike Rinder, who used to be the head of yeah. communications with Scientology. Have you heard that podcast that they do? No, I haven't. Um, I recommend it's, it. It's funny, right before my unceremonious exit from The Verge, I was talking to Mike Rinder and oh, p- pitching them a Scientology story. And they were like, Scientology, that's old news. We just can't imagine anybody being interested in this really? in 2014. Yeah. Uh, I, and then okay. Leah left. And yeah, it was bizarre and frustrating you know i I used to live right next to the big blue scientology building in la for like four years for four five years and when i say i literally i would open my front door and it was right across the street and there were like people walking around in nazi uniforms practically uh very very what yeah and it was interesting seeing it up close because everything was in disrepair i mean la is full of all these scientology buildings but there's nobody in them it's basically a Mm -hmm. facade and the people that are in it's a real estate scam and the people that are in it a lot of times are basically human trafficked. I mean, there's like tons of people from Thailand and they just hang on to their passports yeah. and uh, it's, it's grim. And I remember like, um, I'm sure you've heard the story, like the sea org, when you sign up for a million years, they pay mm-hmm. you something like 60 cents an hour and yeah. you have to buy your own toilet paper. And so there was uh, somebody had like families of ex Scientology members had bought like a an old barber shop like single storefront right across from this uh, big blue center and mm-hmm. put an anonymous mask in it and then just wrote put a sign they bought it just to put this sign and it just said they put the like it was literally just a, an empty storefront and in the window was an anonymous mask and a sign that said call 800 whatever to blow which is scientology terminology mm-hmm. for leaving the cult and then they just had a roll of toilet paper and they said you know one free roll of toilet paper for <laughs> if you <laughs> And it's That's just like amazing. It's, it was clearly paid and it was paid for by, you know, families of people who had lost their, their kids or parents or whatever to Scientology. It's just very, very grim. You know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like all these cults often seem, and I don't know generally the kind of background of the people in the cult you're talking about, but you know, with Scientology, it's like they get to the point where they're just like driving out to these like meth desert towns and just picking up just drug zombies off the street and kind of indoctrinating them. Uh, it's just, it's just very, it's very, it's just, you know, human tragedy. Yeah. That's the one thing about the Gabriel Urantia cult. It's, um, they haven't gotten to that industrial level of just grabbing anybody. Um, I mean, they definitely were not interested in me. Well, it's funny. I went there, I was there for about five hours. It was like a four hour church service. I get let in and first they're like, you know, church service is 40 bucks. And if you want lunch, it's another 10. I'm like, all right. So you give them 50 bucks. And, um, and the whole time it's like people keep coming up and starting conversations, but it's obviously like pumping you for information and, you know, journalists, you ask questions. They're really good at deflecting the questions. And then they put me in you know, they're like, Oh, come over here, have a seat. It's time for church. And they like put me in a chair and then 
they had like a big TV screen and they started showing like earth changes, end of the world, YouTube videos. <laughs> and they're like, well, this is the uh, alternative news segment to uh, counteract the news, you know? And I'm like, but your people aren't allowed to watch TV. So like, what is there to <laughs> counteract? Like you're just right. scaring the hell out of them. Right. So the only TV they get to watch all week is like Nibiru and <laughs> earth changes. And then, um, then they showed like a video of Gabriel, like, complaining about other conspiracy theorists and comparing them to like Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. I'm what? like, none of these people were alive when, you know, <laughs> Why is that even a bad those... thing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then they moved me to another chair. So like there, I think this was some like lame NLP power move to mm. like move me around. And I'm sitting right in front of the um, Gabriel. He's on stage. I'm there. And like, everybody's like at attention, you know, and I'm trying to stay awake. Cause it's so boring. <laughs> and his like kids are all kind of like, he's got like three, four kids and they're all married. And like the kids and their partners are like sitting there, like kind of bored, like playing with their cell phones. <laughs> and, um, this goes on for like five hours. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it was, it was awful. And then at the end, you know, they kind of like rushed me through lunch and got rid of me. And I was like, I felt so bad. I was like, am I not cult worthy? Why didn't they try to, you know, why didn't do you, do you what, think that's what they wanted you to think? I don't know. I just felt like a loser. It was funny. Like, huh. obviously you don't want to be accepted by those people. I felt like a bad journalist. <laughs> and then two years later, somebody escapes who was part of their securities. Like, no, we figured out that you were a journalist halfway through. Oh, interesting. You talked to Yeah. Them. I was like, okay. oh, thank God. Yes, it wasn't <laughs> you felt rejected yeah it wasn't no. personal oh no <laughs> um but, uh, that's that's insane yeah the reason i bring up the uh what was mike render like by the way you know, the brief amount you, you talked with him uh he was uh very to the point and very just kind of gruff and yeah not you know just like standoffish and rude like you know i called him at his house and it was before he was really doing any press you know he's just like stressed out because he's undergoing serious harassment yeah um the louis theroux video about scientology that was on hbo mm -hmm. i like the way he did that that's basically what i wanted to do i wanted to going back to this idea of like spiritual technology i wanted to understand what goes on in people's brains why they stick with this what there is actually useful like right. what could you t you know um, you know, and whatever's actually useful is probably just like, you know, a ridiculous version of hypnotherapy or something. But, you know, I just wanted to understand that. And um, getting into Gabriel, I wanted to understand that. And I just don't, <laughs> it just does not seem to be like, like there's anything, there's, there's no, no, there's there, no there, 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 right? Yeah. I mean, that that's always been my interest in, in cults and I've, I've joined tons of cults and, but I'm always going uh, I wouldn't necessarily say as a journalist because I'm not there to write a story, but I'm just there to pilfer their material and uh, yeah. look for the stuff that works and pull it out and put it into my own kind of like patchwork collage of reality shifting techniques. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and sometimes there are really interesting things and sometimes it's just a, it's just literally somebody's force of personality um, and and that's unfortunate. The Mike Render podcast is is really uh, interesting to listen to, though. Because it's basically, 
you know, it's these two people who are like in their, I think fifties, Leah Remini, I think maybe is in her forties. Mike renders at least in his fifties. And it's, it's very, um, humbling to listen to because you're listening to like people who like have admitted, like we, we wasted our lives on a lie there's nothing there. There is no redeeming value. We spent our entire adult lives that for all we know is our only chance to exist as human beings on this bullshit. And they've admitted that. And it's like with Mike Rinder, it's like, well, okay, I get that. But <laughs> you also were like the attack bulldog for this organization for a long time and probably fucked a lot of people's lives up. Yeah. So I, I feel like he has some like penance to do there or he feels that. But it is interesting to listen to. And that's another thing that I've listened to where I've kind of got that vertiginous feeling where it's like, you know, what and and you can imagine for somebody like me that kind of like delves into the things that I do, it can be like, okay, like where I always have to be very on point about where might I be slipping into Mm -hmm. taking things something a little bit more seriously than I should, you know, that's always in danger. Um, Could you explain that a little bit? I'm not sure. Yeah. um, Well, obviously, like I write about and teach occult stuff right so that's obviously a very fine line to walk Mm -hmm. and i've i've gone to great lengths to not set myself up as a cult leader and the the number one way that i do that is by never interacting with people in person Mm -hmm. it's all just like videos you know i don't collect a following i don't like i don't even leave my house um and that's that's constructed that way intentionally um because my my observation of cult dynamics also is it may not even be the leader driving. It's like you kind mm-hmm. of like surround yourselves with people like that and they will project that onto you. So yes. that I think I is mean, dangerous. But even just like, you know, like even with like occult stuff or like you say, like spiritual technologies, it's like it's still easy to believe bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's dangerous, you know? Yeah. You know, my kind of spiritual path has been interesting because like when I happened into journalism late in life i uh kind of i could have put all that away all the spiritual side away like i needed a i I think at the time i didn't i wouldn't have known how to say it but i think i needed to just exist in the material world for a while Mm -hmm. and um then later synthesize it um and i honestly feel now although this wasn't my intention, I'm not this, um, clever, um, you know, again, Robert Anton Wilson talks about, you know, he, he feels like he didn't lose his mind because he had a training in engineering and, Mm -hmm. you know, could think through these things logically. I think coming back to magic and mysticism and applying a journalistic lens to it has been very valuable. And, you know, some of the most, some of the best stuff I've read has been anthropology and sociology looks at like what happens to someone when they get involved with magic, you Mm. know, um, say, say more about that. Well, you know, just, um, TM Lerman. Are you familiar with her? She sounds uh, vaguely familiar. Yeah. She's, she did a pop book recently about like pop psych book about like what happens when, how people go from not hearing the voice of God to hearing the voice of God. Was and Tanya, like, Tanya Lerman? Tanya. Yeah, yeah. 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 She, um, she wrote a book called the witch's craft or something. It's, um, you know, she basically, and there's another one who's, which I'm 
the name of which is I'm, I'm is escaping me. It's out in Rutledge, and it was somebody's like PhD dissertation, and was literally like started going, you know, going to tarot readers, then started like reading tarot, and then going to covens, and kind of like came up with like a psychological or anthropological uh just yeah model of what happens and i think it's possible to like take that seriously you know i think if you take everything that happens when you go on your spiritual journeys as like literal truth that's not going to last you know through like a like a scientific <laughs> you know but if you but if you are open to the big question mark, I think that um, these critical looks not on, at at the process not only helps you understand, but also can help you be more effective. Um, you know, like I just think about like like my journals. You know, it's all like I've been doing some like low key Anaki and stuff just just oh boy it's all it's all very new for me and um you know and it's really like blown open my imagination and uh but you know and it's like i'm seeing things and hearing things and it's like i'm also pinpointing like you know this is a lot this is similar to like something i saw in an episode of friends last Mm -hmm. week you know Mm -hmm. it's like the stuff that i'm putting into my mind is not all high-minded it's not literary references that you know if i went to oxford you know so i'm kind of like trying to look at my inner development through like a journalistic lens that's interesting yeah i um and and i would have loved to do that with gabriel Viorancha. <laughs> okay but i think he kind of is just i don't know i'm open like i'm open to the idea that he's did see his grandmother on a spaceship, his dead <laughs> grandmother, and that he, you know, and that, but it, it's hard. Like I, I finally, it took me years. I finally tracked down a cassette of him channeling. Cause like they, you know, lock and key, they record everything. It's really interesting. Speaking of uh, brainwashing the sound guy, the, the Gabriel sound guy escaped. And I was talking to him and his job was to record all these channeling sessions and and he was like, I think I escaped because I couldn't like go into trance because I had to like make check the levels and I had to make sure that everything, you know, and he's like, he was like, That's I was great. doing something and the, I just the couldn't bane go of, that. The bane of the frustrated musician, the sound guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. But, you know, so it's like, I think like that kept me one step removed. But um, so I finally tracked down a tape and it's like the most ridiculous thing. It's like he's talking and like trying to talk in a deep voice and he's got like a really high voice and he's got a lisp. So he's trying to talk in this deep voice, but he still has this kind of like Elmer Fudd effect. (laughs) And like, you hear like paper rustling and you hear like, it's a cassette. So you hear like pause and pause where he like had to like correct himself and stuff. And it's like, there's nothing about it that seems at all like 
There's nothing about it that you would hear and go, oh, no wonder people thought he was channeling whatever. But when you're in that room, everybody's chanting for 20 minutes and they got all the incense and the lights are low and he's got reverb on his voice. And that's so when you listen to it out of context, it's like, what the hell is this? But in the in the moment, it's uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like watching like on YouTube, like the like. Uh, you know, like old, uh, you know, 1980s videos of like how to be a witch, you know, how to be a oh, Jesus. Wiccan yeah, yeah. or whatever. And it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you see, you know. Do you remember Jack Chick tracks? Y- yes. Do you remember Dark Dungeons? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I always get this moment. Speaking of vertiginous moments, I will have a very disturbing moment. I, and I think possibly at times a life-saving moment is if uh-huh. I'm, I don't do this anymore, but when I was younger, it's like interacting with groups like this. And you, suddenly I would have this feeling dawn on me. It's like, I think I'm in a Jack Chick tract right now. <laughs> it's just like I, the worst feeling. <laughs> it's, yeah. you remember, remember that like that comics about like a Dungeons and Dragons group that turns into a Wiccan coven and like the leader is like, I think it's time for you to learn real power, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, yes so i cast the mind spell on my dad to have him buy more dungeons and dragons manuals yes your witch power is growing it's so funny how all that satanic panic shit really just made D seem that much cooler when you're yeah, a yeah. kid you know and it's like and that's one of the things now it's like i'm, I'm so curious knowing you know knowing what you do like have we reached the point in the culture or with a culture where it's like too much, where it's not helpful anymore? Mm. Or? Interesting question. Um, I mean, I find nearly all of it very cringe, but you know, I've always had that frustration where it's like, what, what you know, a culture and actual magic are like almost diametrically opposed. Yeah. Where it's like you have people playing dress up and it's like, what is the point of this? It's like, there's like, no. And, you know, I think it's like, it's at a critical mass point where it's almost like the de facto religion of millennials is like some kind Mm -hmm. of like vague, you know, tarot astrology, witchy witchy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think even more zoomers, it's like, apparently somebody like hit me to show me some TikTok Instagram and it's like every zoomer girl dresses like Stevie Nicks now. Which is like, it's like, okay, this is unexpected or maybe it was, you know, I mean, I, I was saying this was going to happen in 2006, mm-hmm. but, um, I read generation hex, man. Yeah. It turned out to be a little bit more on point than I expected. <laughs> I was like, wait, it actually worked. Now what? Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Now I what mean, exactly? I think, um, but I will say this, the caveat is like, I feel that people are no closer it almost is like, you know, that which is a cult as in hidden is like perennially a cult. It's like people are no closer mm-hmm. with all of this stuff to tapping into any type of real experience, which is not hard to tap into. It just involves reading and effort, which is beyond most people. So, you know, yeah. it's that simple. It's like, like uh, right now you mentioned we, we brought up D and D it's like, I'm on a huge role playing game Renaissance because I, uh, I really feel like I feel like more evangelical. Well, this is so funny. I've gone from like magic as a gateway drug back into role playing games. <laughs> I'm very evangelical about games for adults right now because I feel like whether it's board games or role playing games, it's such like a good and healthy thing to do just to mm-hmm. hang out with people and imagine together. And like what while that seemed like utterly dorky in the 90s and it was 
like now it's like, wow, this seems like an incredible thing to just get people off their phones and computers and talking with each other again. Yeah. Now, especially now after lockdown and COVID where people are like not quite so sure how to interact socially anymore. I feel like a game mechanic can be very helpful for people. But um, that point aside, I mean, you mentioned Enochian earlier. It's like, um, you know, I see stuff like that, Enochian, uh, as an extension. It's like a, a new, a different way to do lateral thinking. And huh. it's an extension of the creative process. And so you mentioned like doing it like, you know, obviously for those who have, they will understand this and those who haven't, Enochian magic is pretty much you kind of like set up a a, a space, if you will, you do, you, you do, a, you chant a few things and then you have kind of an internal creative waking vision. And a lot of times, like you mentioned it being like stuff from friends. It's like, yeah, like for me, it could be like science fiction stuff. It could be things mm -hmm. from comic books, but it's like, you're, you know, I don't even necessarily like, I'm actually a big proponent of like completely non-supernatural explanations of magic, just like a hundred percent demystify it. Just a hundred percent. It's like, why, you know, and if it, there is something mysterious, let it happen on its own. We don't need to like make claims for it. I think that's a healthier way to do it. So I look at things like that. When you do like put yourself into a, uh, it, it could be a hypnotic trance as well. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that's self-induced and not somebody else inducing it on you. Um, your brain will take all of its contents and then start to connect the dots in new ways in mm -hmm. this lateral way. And then so like you're doing quote unquote an Enochian ritual, but you're tapping into your brain and it's putting stuff together to make a point back to you. It's kind of like a call and response, but it'll use what is already in your mind. So if that's friends episodes, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of it, that, that, you know, that's part of the palette you have to work with just to talk to yourself in that way. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it started like what really excited me about this is I, uh, do you, you remember this book? It came out like 20 years ago, and I'm surprised it's not in it, it's not in publication now. It's called uh, Inner Guide Meditation, Edwin Steinbrecher. Um, mm -mm. It has, a, uh, I guess, um, Israel Regardi was a fan because it has like because it has like a Jungian slant to it. But it's basically like this poor guy who was doing like a meditation, trying to talk to like an archetype. And scared the shit out of himself, <laughs> like 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 thought like I was gonna I'm gonna be stuck here forever. Oh, no. So he came up, yeah. So he, <laughs> the, and, what if and the trip? Like, what if the trip never ends? I know. And he's super. <laughs> what if I'm stuck super, like this? He's very superstitious, so it's like you'll be reading it, and it's like all pretty, pretty like I'm 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 following it, you know. And then he's like, and beware of awaking the Kundalini serpent because you might burst into flames. <laughs> Really? I'm like, I've never seen yeah, that happen. Yeah. I'm like, I, I feel like there's a few steps to get there that I don't have to worry about. Yeah. I've never but, seen, um, I, I mean, I'll, if I've never, um, you know, spontaneous human combusted, but you never, you never know. Yeah. But like this inner guide meditation is this framework he put together where it's like, it's kind of a path. It's like a path working in the sense that like, think about this, think about that, and then have a conversation with an archetype. And, um, and I was doing it because I've been like looking for something that, you know, is effective, you know, just cause like, I'm sick of like, I don't know. And it's like, 
so I found it quite effective. And then every once in a while, I'll, I'll, you know, hear some, I'll be told something or I'll see something that I just have no knowledge of how I could possibly know that. Um, and it could be, it was stuck in the back of my head, but I didn't know I knew it. Um, you know, like correspondences, like, like, uh, like, you know, Lieber seven, seven shit, yeah, yeah. seven, seven, seven. And like, and that's really all I'm trying to do. I'm like, how do human beings, how are you creative with stuff that you don't even know, you know, Yeah, that question fascinates. Oh, absolutely. And, and magic is such a profound way of doing that. And I think that, um, obviously I've gone back and forth on this a lot, but I, I, I'm perfectly fine dwelling in the space of no supernatural anything. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, Jung pointed to something like, I don't really like, I mentioned on an earlier podcast, like I've never read Jung and I did that for a reason. Cause I didn't want to like be burdened by that kind of overlay on things. Yeah. 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 But you know, his concept of the collective unconscious, you know, probably not a real thing but he's certainly pointing to something interesting. And I think that at some point, I, I think it's probably at some point down the road, we'll have just have a better understanding. When you think about Freudian psychoanalysis is only what, like a hundred years old. The discovery mm -hmm. of the DNA helix is only like 60 years old, something like that. Like I'm convinced that at some point, all of this stuff will just be perfectly common sense. For instance, we will understand something like, I don't know this obviously, but it will be something like, Oh, it actually turns out that humans are kind of non-locally connected through their shared DNA or something like that. Yeah. And our DNA is talking and we don't even like they've even shown DNA can emit light photons in certain conditions and things like this. And just we're just there's all this stuff going on that we're not aware of. And I'm also um, and, and I think that there will just be rational explanations for this stuff. And and for me, that's not disempowering. It's empowering. And, and I think mm -hmm. that we're burdened by all this tech, all this medieval terminology like magic and i like the word magic because it gets attention and it's fun you know it gets you vibed up to be interested in it but we're kind of burdened by this this old terminology for things that um i think should just be common sense and i also think that it is it is it is utterly irrational to completely throw out the spiritual side of human beings because like the need for meaning is something that all human beings share. So yeah. I say like, okay, well, why don't we give people tool? Like my, my, my viewpoint is very simple. It's just like, you know, I'm not a believer in religion and in, in a lot of ways, I think that magic, one of the reasons why magic threatens religion so much is once you really understand it, you kind of, you get to see how they're doing their trick. It's mm -hmm. like you see how the rabbit is pulled out of the hat. It's like, okay, well, you're reading all these stories about people who went into trance and had visions. It's like, well, I can do that. At the, I can do that on any given Saturday. Why is that different from me? And yet when I do it, it's not necessarily real. So mm -hmm. why, why is theirs real? You know, and, yeah. and, and so I think that is threatening to religion, but I'm, I'm, you know, my attitude is always DIY punk attitude of just like, do it, just do it yourself. Yeah. here's tools to do it. I'm not going to tell anyone what to believe. I don't even know what's, you know, I don't know the truth. I don't know what's, what reality is, but I have learned these tools for, for instance, getting into trance, having creative lateral thinking, 
dream work, all that stuff is fascinating, particularly for artists. Mm-hmm. But for anyone, I mean, like so many scientific discoveries have been made in states of consciousness like that. Um, and um, it's certainly healthier than doing it with drugs. So you know, I'm very pragmatic about it. Yeah, you know, I, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who's a neuroscientist, and she's very, you know, everything comes from the synapses. And um, I was like, but yes, but you can do these things and experience these states. Like, there's no denying that that's real. Don't you think that maybe, like, it's worthwhile to, like, discovering why they're useful or how they can be useful or just just the knowledge of like if i put this into my brain however that will happen mm-hmm. i want to know what that is you right. know and i i'm sick of like hearing about it i want to experience mm-hmm. it i um i had my i'm i'm getting my uh clinical hypnotherapy certification oh nice all the things i'm all the things one does when they're trying to not have to make money as a journalist and um <laughs> Yes. And it's like, you know, I was, I was the one day in the one class, I was like, we can't go any f- further until you convince me that I'm not wearing shoes because you've been talking about this crazy quack, like a duck stuff, you know, but it's like, I need to experience it. Like I need to like, uh, and he's like, oh, okay. All right. So did he so, convince you, know, you that you didn't have shoes? Yeah. You did? He put, yeah. Wow. He put me in trance and I'm like, it was really interesting. Cause it was like. I was like, I don't, I was like, I knew I had shoes on, but the desire to believe that I didn't and to play along was stronger. Yes. Yes. And I, and I know if I, we hadn't been talking about it, if I, if I'm not kind of a, you know, very experienced going into the trance, you know, if we weren't in a class, if I was just some guy they plucked off the street and put on stage or whatever i'm sure i would have but like like that's interesting it's more interesting to me that like the idea that he went in and somehow surgically or changed my perception that's not particularly interesting to me the idea that he created a state where i knew that he was full of shit i didn't care and it felt good not to care Hmm. like seems to be more profound yeah yeah, I was thinking that as you were saying that. I mean, I think that really points to something about the cult dynamic and also the culture dynamic mm. where, you know, I'm not a believer in, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a believer in victimology. And I, I think that people who are get involved in cult, and the, the reason people get involved in cults is because they want to be. Yeah. Like, it, period, you know. And, and, and that, yeah, and you know, when people hear that, they think that means because I saw all this and I thought that you're seeing and I thought it looked good. It's like, no, it's like a thousand tiny little decisions that happen outside yeah. of conscious awareness in the context of maybe a bigger, more screwed up life. Yeah. And, and also the, the cult always has, or the group or, or culture always mm-hmm. has the one, you know, they have a way to get high and that could yes. be hypnotherapy. It could be over breathing. It could be fasting or, or exhaustion, or exhaustion vegetarian diets. They all have mm-hmm. them. Uh, even yes. Buddhism, you know, even the most mm-hmm. apparently innocuous one, even Christianity, those mm-hmm. are the, and from a magical perspective, all of that is interesting because it's like, okay, great. Well, I want to take those outside of the cult control environment and use them myself to get, to be self-directed into altered states of consciousness. But, yeah. um, um, but I think one of the, one of like, it's like you were talking about, 
listening to tapes of this guy and they were just utterly boring when they were taken out of context. Mm -hmm. But such a big part of hypnosis and cult stuff and ritual is creating the set and setting around mm -hmm. the person so that they want to believe. And so yes. they, they do at least probably usually more than half of the work of putting themselves there because mm -hmm. they're trying to follow along and they don't want to like let the group down or something like that by not doing it. It's the kind of like Masonic or, you know, the degree system of something like the golden Dawn, especially in the time, you know, back in the day when you couldn't Google all the secrets mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, buy them um, at a bookstore. Is there something kind of, do you think that, as somebody who's never been through that, it sounds to me like that can kind of use the culty dynamic to convey spiritual teaching. But is it really that way? Or do you think that it's a different um, course altogether? We might be splitting hairs on that one. I think yeah. that, you know, from a wide enough, I mean, look, I mean, like from a wide enough angle like it's all cults right it's like it's right, all cults right. <laughs> it's like let's not let's not put two bones on that but mm -hmm. i think that um look i mean like set and setting is a real thing and so if you put mm -hmm. somebody this is just like just how human minds work if you put somebody i mean look if you decorate your house differently you're gonna feel different right like for me if i dress differently i feel radically different and mm -hmm. so uh if you put somebody Look, like if you put somebody in a cop uniform and put them in a police station, their consciousness is going to change. If you put somebody in a convict outfit and put them in a prison cell, their whole reality will change. And that may, this may just be as an exercise. You may tell them like, oh, this isn't real. But mm -hmm. like their perception of the world will radically alter. It's just like, you know, consciousness can. I mean, the you talk about the Golden Dawn. I mean, the fundamental axiom of the Golden Dawn is that by, what is it? It's by... Uh, by images and words are all powers awakened and reawakened. Mm -hmm. And I think just the fundamental, one of the fundamental points of magic is that con your, particularly your unconscious mind is malleable to symbols. Mm -hmm. um, when you approach the unconscious mind and you communicate with it in ways that do not involve rational discourse, mm -hmm. then you're working on the reptilian brain. I mean, you're working on a much deeper yes. level of the brain. And so, yeah. And I think people, um, obviously like we forget this cause we're surrounded by symbols. Like we swim in them. Like it's a coral reef of, of, of you know, advertising and TV. And a really interesting exercise is I did this with, um, magic.me several, several years ago. This is a, I recommend this for everyone. An interesting exercise is go through, get a tarot deck and, um, I mean, I taught a whole class on this, but you don't need to do it as a class. It's just like, and each morning, like pick up one of the major arcana you can go through in sequence mm -hmm. and maybe read, just spend 15 minutes or something reading just the correspondences for that card, whether it's from 777 or Paul Foster case or just Wikipedia, mm -hmm. whatever. And just like get like the key or just stare at it and get the key symbols. And then for the rest of the day, just do your normal day, but look for symbols throughout the day that relate to that card. Mm -hmm. And like, You'll, it'll be like drowning in them. So it'll be like, for instance, I'm trying to remember one. It's like you do the emperor card and the, the correspondences could be like red and falcons and all these things. It's like, you know, like you'll be seeing like red cars and, and uh, you know, uh, 
advertisements where it says like Emporio or Emporio uh, Armani or something like that. You know, it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. you'll see all you'll just be surrounded with all this imagery that relates to the card. But then and, and it'll be the same one for the same way for each card. And so you can go two ways with that. One is the irrational way, which is, oh, I'm speaking to some deeper reality or spirit. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's irrational. Yeah. Um, or you can go the rational way, which I think is actually more interesting, which is like we're so we're utterly surrounded by symbolism all the time. A lot of which, let's be honest, because we live in Western culture, um, derives from older Western esoteric things, like whether it's astrology, like for instance, the Taurus car. Okay, it's mm-hmm. like that's an astrology symbol. It's like there's so many things like these. Um, what you realize is you're saturated with the symbolism that your brain is tuning out all mm-hmm. the time, like a ridiculous amount, like an overload amount of it. Like it's a, like a coral reef. And when you tell your brain to, it's like the Robert Anton Wilson thing. It's like what the thinker thinks the prover proves. Mm-hmm. It's like when you t- yeah. tune your brain to look for something, it will see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it was always there. You were just tuning that out. And so the interesting thing from that is, well, a, sign, a hyper-rational person will look at that and correctly say, that's just a confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And I would bounce that back and say like, well, yes, it is confirmation bias, but if you can hack it, isn't that interesting? Right. And that's, I mean, how magical is that? If we're surrounded by information all the time that we're tuning or tuning out, well, mm-hmm. then why not, you know, tune your brain to look for ways to make money, for instance, or ways yeah. to be happier or, you know, like things like this. It's like, well, what that shows me is. A much deeper truth which is that we're doing this all the time it's just that it's out of we, we don't have control over that faculty in our mind so mm-hmm. how much more effective would we be as humans if we could control our confirmation bias and use it as a tool and that for me is kind of like the core of you know metamagical thinking it's kind of kind of that simple in a way what you look for you will see so be careful what you look for because you'll find it yeah i remember um i'm really bad with books i need to like talk to people or here, you know, to get information. I'm just not great with books, but like, I think it was quantum psychology, Robert Anton Wilson. I remember reading it in a cafe like 25 years ago. And like, I can't remember the exact practice, but it was like, you know, like looking at things in your environment and asking you what it means. And then you realize after a while I'm ascribing a lot of meaning and allow to a lot of things that have no meaning yeah. and, and, and allowing them to influence me and my moods. And, um, I, I brought that with me. Cause it's like, I mean, I do it all the time, you know, it's amazing what can make me feel shitty mm. It make me feel so, you know, defeated. And it's like, no, sometimes a door is just a door actually yeah. always a door is just a door. No, but it's so easy to forget. Right. And, yeah. and so I think that, um, you know, I'm, it's like, I feel about rationality, like, like, uh, Gandhi felt about Western civilization. It would be a very nice idea, but I think that people are much less rational than they think. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do to prove that is look at the political discourse in America. It's like, it's got two sides who believe, let's be honest, both sides of the fence believe total nonsense mm-hmm. and yet they're constantly projecting it and seeing it in reality and then like you said like oh the other side's a cult they both feel that way yeah and i think power is a huge part like if if there weren't people in power 
who wanted power, maybe human beings could like be more rational. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of that's going on in society to encourage us to not use what rationality we do have. And like, just like the cult to take it back to Gabriel's compound, everything about it is built to like control, you know, you know, when you're talking about like, you know, blocking stuff out or, you know, I, I, I really feel like, you know, there's signs all over the place and, you know, I, and, uh, you know, people are told how to dress and who they can partner with and they're told what music is good and what TV shows are bad. And, you know, and it's like, I, I think that, I think he's on a level on some level controlling those, that, that perception that we're doing on a subconscious level. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a very straightforward, um, you know, controlling other people's confirmation bias is a very straightforward mm-hmm. way to do that. And it's very easy to do. Uh, you just tell people what things mean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a classic cult leader thing is also, it's like, things will just happen randomly and then they'll claim that they did it. You know, it's just like, oh, yes. like a plane fell out of the sky and Charles Manson's like, I made I made that plane fall out of the sky, man. And uh, that, that type of thing. And, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is why like like uh, delving into these things and getting experience with them is so healthy because we're all in it. Everyone's in a trance. Mm-hmm. And you you need to become aware of these mechanisms of these cognitive biases and these mechanisms of the mind because you can't shut them off. Mm-hmm. And if you don't control them, somebody else will. And it could be as simple as Every, you know, here's magic, right? Every morning when you wake up, tell yourself what kind of day you're going to have. You know, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. And just like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you program, you know, it's like that Rushkoff book, program or be programmed. Yeah. Um, and I do think that actually computer metaphors can be super, super helpful. Um, but it's like, for instance, it's like, you're asking about Golden Dawn and things like that. I was just looking up. I'm trying to remember. There's this book called like The Invisible War or something like that from the 80s. I, I can't I can't remember what it is now, but it basically says that it's probably the wrong word or the wrong title. But it basically makes this point that everything in America is a trance experience that is created for people. Mm-hmm. And so like TV is a trance. But if you go to a football game, that's a trance. High school is a trance. College is a trance. Uh you know, if you go to a Tony Robbins event, that's a trance, you know, I, like right. I, this made me think of the stuff you wrote about, uh, the uh, scam that your classic scam world article. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh-huh. um, and I like Tony Robbins a lot, but it's like, yeah, I mean, like he's putting people in a cult environment for sure. Yeah. And it's like, if you understand that, then it can be useful, but, but uh, most people are, are not. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we live in it. And you also mentioned earlier, like, are we at a saturation point with occult stuff? Um, I don't think that maybe this is just me and my view that I look at the world from, but like, I don't even think of my, like, I'll just say this. I don't think of myself as an occultist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a magician. I'm not an occultist. I'm not any of this stuff. Like I see myself as like, just this kind of like, just like rubbing salt on everyone's wounds. Like this is <laughs> yeah. my role in life. You know, it's like, like it, it just kind of like seeing, trying to get people to see through it. And the language of magic is a useful conceit 
because it's like sexy and people want to know what it is and it automate just the concept the phrase gets people into this just to use the, using the word itself puts mm-hmm. people in the state of mind where they're like what if it automatically like drops the walls on what it, it suddenly anything's possible maybe i could have this power and it's like yes you could but it's not what you think um and so it's a yeah. use, it's a useful phrase to use to get people in in that um in a state of mind where suddenly more things are possible than they were before but I look at our society and it's like, I feel like, yes, it is saturated. I mean, like what is, like what is American culture now? It's just this competing herd insanities. Like we don't even have Christian, like Christianity used to be a, a glue for society. Now it's, there's yeah. nothing like what do people believe in now? It's like, it's just literally it's TikTok. Yeah. It's just whatever trance people appear to are attracted mm-hmm. to at that time. And people are very much, uh, whether it's by design or simply by the nature of technology, um, very much trans subjects all the time. And that's, uh, I guess it is what it is. And I don't want to say like, Oh, we have to help people and break them out of this. Cause it's like, you know what? Like if people didn't want to be like that, they, they wouldn't people, mm-hmm. people, the way things are, the reason the way things are, they, the way they are is not some conspiracy because, but because this is how people like it. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, I, I feel like the real work of, getting inside your head and you know using whatever techniques and going wherever you're going to go with it that's that can only happen with you in a room maybe with some trusted you know confederates yeah um but that has nothing to do with what anybody wears or what they get tattooed on them or what they sell or what they how they behave as influencers so yeah you know if they're gonna Dressed like Stevie Nicks, more power to him. <laughs> right. Absolutely nothing to do with real magic. I mean, right. not for right. good, not bad. Does it? Doesn't pre- exclude them from it. It doesn't include them. It's just they're just completely different realms, you know. Right. I think it's always. Been, I mean, it was clearly like that in the '60s as well, though. And it's mm-hmm. just like um, it is good though because it provides cover for everyone else. Is how I've ever always felt about it. It's like, well, you know, the Inquisition's not gonna. They've got too much confusing smoke yeah. screen out there. Yeah, we'll we'll be fine. Yeah, I um, I loved your interview with Antero Ali. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I uh, really, I've we we've spoken back and forth. I have a well before COVID, I had like a micro cinema in Pittsburgh where we showed experimental films, and I've showed his films mm. and um. My podcast, which is kind of on hiatus right now, Failed State Update, we did an interview like a year and a half ago. And um, what one thing he kind of introduced me to that I just think about every day, it's become more important, is just like the importance of taking spiritual practices on their own terms. Hmm. Like we were talking about paratheater, you know, he's written, you know, developed paratheater and he's written several books on like, Leary Wilson, Eight Circuits of Consciousness. He's like, never the twain shall meet. I'm not going to talk about one in hmm, context of the other. You know? Okay. You know, and um, you mean by all means, if something about paratheater reminds you of, you know, that, you know, Circuit Four or whatever, you know, by all means, run with it. But like, I think it is a useful practice to take things on their own terms. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I was, you know, not. I don't think I really got in anywhere like combining my chaos magic with my Anaki and with my, you know, new age 
wine mom candle spells with whatever, <laughs> you know, um, you know, with my Catholicism, my, my, you know, my childhood Catholicism, um, you know, and I, you know, I just, I, you know, witch talk just reminds me so much of like chaos magic. And I just, I don't know how, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, chaos magic is like a cultural force. Like, do you think it outlived its usefulness or do you think like, I'd be curious uh, to hear what your thoughts are on that. That's an interesting question. I have multiple thoughts on that. One is nobody really got chaos magic. And when I think about chaos magic, what it actually was, um, I think the writing of Peter Carroll is the, <laughs> the clearest thing. And everyone had this like, oh, well, it's just like being chaotic. And mm-hmm. no, that's not it at all. But it's it's um, it's a certain cultural stream. And in that stream, I would put Peter Carroll, Burroughs and Geisen, Genesis, mm-hmm. um, Ali, Leary and Wilson. Um, and I think the most important concept in chaos magic is just meta, meta level cognition. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. It's like a meta magical approach. And so on one hand, I would say nobody really got chaos magic in the first place. I would also say it was clearly a cultural gateway from then to now. Mm-hmm. And it was pre-internet. And so now we, the internet by its nature is chaotic in the sense that people are combining and mashing up all these things and being exposed to Mm -hmm. them. And so it was kind of like this like midwife role to what would emerge from the internet, which is its own constantly growing thing. On the other hand, I think that people have regressed. I mean, like, I think we're talking about Robert Anton Wilson is just, just getting back to the concept of reality tunnels how mm-hmm. helpful would that be to this ridiculously fucked up country? Mm-hmm. Just to understand that like the, the reality tunnel that you're in may not necessarily be the truth, but it's yeah. just a tunnel that you're in and somebody else could be in a different reality tunnel, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right. And, you know, I, I think it takes more than being familiar with that concept to get you there as well. You know, it's like, I was watching one of the things I find fascinating about like the hypnotherapy field and that I'm really looking forward to blowing up. Hopefully (laughs) is the fact (laughs) that it's like hypnotherapy is super useful and it should be available. And you go to these conferences and a, it's all everybody's like, they're getting out of practice because they're making more money selling scam world packages about how to be a successful hypnotherapist and get rich yeah. to other hypnotherapists. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and they're, um, and the other, the other thing, which is amazing is like, I think part of this is me because I'm in these classes, but it's like the conversation always comes around to like, like, uh, past lives and mm-hmm. alien abductions. Mm-hmm. Cause okay. that's a big part of the industry, you know? Um, I was going to mention there was, um, you, you talked about things being at a saturation point. I had this like email flame, flame out. It was actually really interesting, like maybe 10 years ago with a guy named Charles Upton, who is this Sufi who wrote this book called The System of the Antichrist. Okay. Which is basically about how he's like this kind of Rene Ganon style traditionalist. And 
but he made like a very compelling point. I tried to do a podcast with him, but then he was like, no, you're an evil satanic occultist and just like totally like wigged out on me. It's like, okay, uh-huh. whatever. But um, he, in this book, he made like a, an interesting point where he's like, nothing is not occult anymore. Everything's occult. If you really look around, and I think it's a valid point to consider where he says, if you look at all the pop culture, what is it? It's all about people having magic powers. It's like, well, at the time, it was like Buffy, Star Wars, everything, Harry Potter, you know, mm-hmm. and and everyone wants to be otherworldly. Everyone, it's like, no, you don't see people trying to be normal. You see people trying to be Grimes. You know, it's like right. every everyone wants some type of magic or sorcery. And I think that's correct in that if you really look at this stuff from the broadest lens, um, in our culture right now, everyone wants something more than human and whatever that says about us at this time in history. Um, and his point was like, everyone is delusional. It's like everyone has yeah. lost the thread of basic sanity, which for him was represented by like Islam or Orthodox Christianity, which is like, mm, I don't, I don't know if that's basic yeah. sanity, but you know, like, yeah, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it, it, was an, it was basically, and he, he looked, he was looking at it from this Islamic attitude where it's like, everyone is possessed by jinn everybody and it's like you know what that's like a a challenging opinion that's interesting Uh to consider so yeah it's like what is not magic stavish yeah stuff yeah yeah his his he was just like a year or two ago maybe he had a book come out on egregores and he was doing press for it and it was basically like i was like maybe i'll learn something and all the interviews are basically like, everything's an egregore. The sky's falling. Oh, and Jesus. I'm like, yeah, maybe it is an egregore, but you know, just like, it, it was like, he seems to be a smart guy, but just watering it down to the dumbest. Like, do you know where the phrase, where the term egregore comes from? Uh, is it, is it Greek? I don't know. Uh, there was a, I'm not sure the original word, but in the occult usage, there was this occult group called the Fraternitas Saturni. I think they still exist mm, in Germany. Yeah. And they worship this thing called Gotos, which was this like Roman statue. And they would literally they would literally all just stand around and circle jerk on this like like literally on this like stone head of an old dude and to, to like make it their powerful egregore. So it's just like all these like weird German occult dudes <laughs> just sitting around jerking off on this stone, this like stone bust. And uh, that's, that's where egregores are from. So I don't know wow. if everything's an egregore, but if it is, we're that's, 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 that's a sticky situation. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, one of the um, ex members of Gabriel's cult called me out of the blue. I had been trying to track him down. A lot of people I tried to track down, they just wouldn't talk to me. And this was someone who everybody said, you got to talk to this dude. And he would never refer to return my calls or he'd like answer. Then, you know, fall asleep under the marijuana tree. And then like (laughs) at one point he calls me, he's like, dude, if you want to understand Gabriel, you got to Google. Gorgories. I'm like what? <laughs> this weird world. I'm like, yeah, I've definitely. And he sent me a link, and it was like egregores. And he's like, he finally. But it's pretty wild. Like I, I, I thought to you were form- saying like gore. Remember the gore books? <laughs> yeah, it was like Ed- <laughs> Edward Gore. <laughs> it was like, but you know, I talked to these people, and they're like, I think one person's like, I think Gabriel is, uh, you know, possessed by the devil, and the other one's like, it's a CIA. A lot of CIA mind control. Uh, 
uh, conspiracy theories among like some of the um, ex members. Cause they're like, how could Gabriel be so convincing? Like he seems like another person, mm-hmm. like a whole nother being. And then I heard this tape and it's like, you know, Daffy <laughs> Duck and, you know, set and it's, setting. It's like yeah, said. it's because um, he, he, I think it's all about you create an environment where you allow people to talk themselves into that state of mind. Yeah. It's because you were doing and it. That's like, why it's so convincing. Yeah. And like, that's part of the reason I'm now undertaking to talk myself into all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. You know, with the, with the, you know, having a little detachment from it all and i mean if it didn't if i didn't feel like it wasn't enriching my life it's not just like a thought experiment it's like i don't know if it's as simple as like there's something biological about human beings that they need uh you know they need a little shot of like irrationality now and then or belief now and then um but no no i'm happier since i started getting back into all my metaphysical Interesting. stuff what what is what about it uh enriches your life i've i've i just feel connected to it like um when i started you know noticing synchronicities and realizing that tarot cards were like synchronicity machines or generators it was like i wasn't necessarily like uncovering profundities or anything, you know, it wasn't like super mind blowing, but it was like, I felt connected. Hmm. I feel like, you know, and it's like, I think there's something therapeutic or soothing about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I, I dig it, man. Yeah. It's fun. Magic is cool and fun. And I always, it, I, mm-hmm. I always try to, I always try to like, one of the reasons I'm really back into games at the moment is because I feel that like, you know, one of the mental, most mentally healthy states for me is just seeing life like a game and not taking Mm -hmm. it too seriously. And so a lot of ways I feel like magic is almost like a role-playing game for one, you know, where you're, you're turning your life into kind of a role-playing game. Yeah. And And the most unmagical I ever feel is when I'm like, involved in like a road rage incident which, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I've, I've been yeah. better i've been I haven't better had those since i left la but that was every day for me so yeah i mean it's hard when you're on the fort Pritt bridge and so oh, almost rear ends you but um but i really do think that like it's a silly example but it's really like you're in this whatever weird driving trance and your focus is super narrow. Your, your reality is super narrow. You don't have any, you don't have your resources to get out of it. And I think, and I think to myself, I'm like, I'm pissed off. I'm angry. This isn't good. This doesn't make any sense. I know I have the tools to get out of this, but I don't give a shit. Uh I don't care. This this sounds like, this sounds like being on Twitter also. Yeah, it really, it really is. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I, you know, probably the best thing to do is not drive and not engage in social media yeah, and not join cults. I haven't, I've, I've, uh, I have not been doing, I mean, I have been a little bit on social media, but I haven't been doing any of these things for the last two years. And it's a, it's a good feeling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know what you mean though. It's like, you have that moment where it's like, I could do the right thing right now, but nah, like, <laughs> It's like, not in my brain. And then, oh my God, 
and and it's not all just big scary dudes who I'm road rageous at, you know. It's it's sometimes it's little ladies. <laughs> I don't like to admit that, and I don't do it often anymore. But um, TM has really helped me kind of mm. take the temperature down. Um, I find that screaming in the car is actually quite therapeutic. Like you're just stuck in traffic. It's like fuck your mother, like as loud right. as you can, and it's like you're just moving energy. And then, then of course, last week, the temperature peaked at like 60 degrees when it had been like 30 degrees. So like, I didn't remember that my windows were down <laughs> screaming <laughs> and everybody can hear me. I'm like, oh, that's it's different when you see me, but when you hear me, I, now I feel stupid. Well, see, that's like, that's like normal, non-mystical reality. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, you gotta, you gotta, I th- I feel that mysticism and magic, as long as you don't take them seriously, are lots of fun, and they're a fun game to play, and, and can enrich your life, and can make you feel more connected, like you said, and more powerful. And I think that's something everyone needs, you know, as Absolutely. long as you don't take it too seriously and end up in Gabriel's Urantia cult. Yeah, and you know, as soon as you start talking about Golden Dawn, and me, you know, I kind of realize that like the key is really like although there's degrees and there's titles like that's so superficial compared to what's happening to the consciousness of WB eights versus the consciousness yeah. of like, you know, a Gabriel Fiorentia cult member. So it's like, um, so yeah, so it is kind of a silly comparison, but like, um, but, you know, it's it's very common in traditions around the world. You would probably know about this more than I of like giving up your autonomy to a guru in order to, you know, make, you know, to do something spiritually with yourself or with your yeah. brain. Yeah, I mean, that is... Um... That's definitely not for everyone. I mean, like that, you definitely see that in Eastern cultures. You also see it in the church, like mm-hmm. when people join, you know, the Franciscan order or something, or they take a vow yeah. of poverty. I mean, it's clearly a very, very powerful thing. I will say caveat to that is a couple caveats. One is when you really look at all the, um, the historical examples, that's not just out of the blue. There's That comes with some type of support network for people like that. So for instance, mm-hmm. like, back in the day in India, in the golden age of India, in, when people were becoming sadhus and giving everything to a guru and then wandering naked mm-hmm. around India, uh, begging for alms. People miss that at that time and well, India was the richest country in the world. And mm-hmm. it was part of the culture. It was assumed that if sadhus came around that you would feed them and then they would, it was part of the social contract. It's not that way in India or anywhere for that matter now. So mm-hmm. there's some context missing. Or for instance, in the context of the church, well, yes, you could take a vow of poverty, but like the church is going to take care of you. Yeah. You know, and it's probably the same with Tibetan monks where it's not just like this raw, raw dog thing. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a support mechanism that goes along with that. So that's, that's forgotten. And I think that I don't like want to make an essentialist point about this, but in my experience, it's not just that I don't think that's a good idea for people in capitalist materialist cultures. Like, I don't like the phrase Western culture because what the fuck does that even mean now? Uh, yeah. It's meaningless. Um, but people who are in this kind of like hyper capitalist culture, um, we're too hyper individuated. So it's not even a, a, a thing of 
it's not necessarily not going to work for us. It's just that I don't think we can do that. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're so hyper individuated that like, I don't think that it's people are capable of doing that unless they do do something extreme, like go, you know, join, go to a monastery or something like that, Uh, which people still do, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. And you know, as abusive and screwed up as Gabriel's cult is, I can't even honestly say that it's like the worst thing I've seen or that it even should be shut down. Like if even for the basic, like my whole goal was, um, you know, so many people wanted to tell their stories. And I thought if I can put out a book and get high enough in the Google search rankings, people can find out about this before they make a decision. Like, you know, and it's very gratifying. I get emails probably like it's slowed down maybe like once a month now. It used to be like every other week where it was like my mom's thinking about joining this and, you know, she's got to give up all her money. You know, she's retired and dad's dead and she doesn't know what to do with herself and yeah. we found your thing so we were able to talk her out of it or like one guy i love this story because gabriel has you know famously bad uh temper and um one guy in in um in south uh south africa him and his whole family were trying to save up money to move the whole family to arizona to join and you know they they started reading the Arantia book and then they found out this is Gabriel of Urantia. So started talking to him and talking to his recruiters and they were getting ready to go. And the guy's like, I finally got to talk to Gabriel in person for the first time, which is like a rare high honor. And it's like, and Gabriel started talking about me and got pissed off and started swearing. And this guy was like, I knew then that Gabriel wasn't a holy man. And he like called yeah. the whole thing off. No, I mean, that's so important. Um, I mean, I will, I'll say two things about that. One is like, well, what do you know what a holy man looks like? It's like, we all, we, we all yeah. saw Empire Strikes Back, you know, learn, learn the lesson yeah. of Yoda. But on the other <laughs> hand, it's like, well, if you don't vibe with someone, then you got to listen yeah. to that. And I think that, um, but that, that, I don't know if this was the case in with this, the South Africa uh, situation, mm-hmm. but that re- kind of points to something that people often miss about cult dynamics is there can be a level to it where it's like, it's somebody's way to get a green card. Oh, sure. And they're like, this happens with Scientology. Like I was mentioning mm-hmm. where it's like, it's like they think it's their ticket to America and then they end up in extreme cases being human trafficked, you know, uh, or they just yeah. end up, you know, like Scientology just keeps people's passports mm-hmm. and it keeps them as slaves. Basically. I mean, Scientology, there's a level to it where it's just modern slavery. Mm-hmm. So, um, that that also shouldn't be overlooked because like for the most part i'm like look everyone's an adult and a lot of times like it's interesting um sometimes i'll go on forums and you can go back and there's like still forums operating of like people that were in like chogyam trunkpa's group in the 70s -hmm. or even yogananda or people like this you know like more well-known spiritual teachers and they're still fighting to this day about like, and one side will be like, this guy was an abusive asshole and a fake. And the other side will be like, no, you just missed the point. You didn't get the transmission. Mm-hmm. And they're still like bitterly arguing. And these people I'm sure know each other like family. And they're just bitterly arguing like decades later about, and they can't piece together what actually happened. Yeah. So I'm of a certain mind with these things. It's like, look, at the end of the day, y'all are adults. 
you know, it's like, unless you're mm-hmm. not, I mean, and yeah. that does happen. And that's kid, kids who are born into thing, these things, that's a different thing. But if you're an adult and you join a cult, it's like at the end of the day, you're an adult. You got to make, you know, unless someone held a gun to your head, which is very unlikely, mm-hmm. um, you kind of got to take responsibility for your life decision there and not claim like, oh, I was victimized by a cult. That said, there are clearly situations where there is an abusive power dynamic. For instance, like you're mentioning this woman who's like, you know, clearly in a vulnerable position or husband's dead, you know, mm-hmm. she... You know, she's essentially being subjected to elder abuse for financial gain um, or somebody who's like trying to get a green card. And so there are it's not quite as cut and dry as, you know, it's just adults. But but for the most part, I try to start from that position. Yeah. And, you know, my my sandwich, um, my my sandwich artist comparison that I keep coming back to for some reason, like I was like not just making a joke like. I don't know that the majority of these people are in a shitty position that's any worse than most people's shitty position. Yeah. Like yeah. I um, you know, was talking to the one guy, he's like, we gotta shut this cult down. And I was like, So are you gonna have a hundred people move in your apartment when they don't have a place to live? You know, I mean, like you right, have to think right. about like literal material. Um, and you know, the leader's almost dead to kind of like you know, bring it back around, you know, he's in his 70, late seventies and he has multiple, um, multiple health problems. His, the person who's his second command is really just kind of like a, you know, just like a figurehead. And then like, you know, his business partners, the people that are keeping the thing running, they're all older and they're not in the line of secession. His dog, you know, his, um, his uh his children who are supposed to take over they don't really seem to be like capable of doing anything who knows what's hap- going to happen like this might be how you know you know another kind of harmless new age religion gets its start you know like we don't know what's going to happen um, right yeah and i think that people um people can manifest dynamics like this to learn but it's also like um, you know, maybe, maybe you had a, this experience with these people in this group or other groups where it's like, you can interact with some of these things where, you know, somebody's 80 years old and they like, they're like the Swami and the yoga order or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's been their entire fucking adult life. Like since they were 18 or, or yeah. younger even, and it's like, that's their entire life. So what are you going to do? Like come in and white knight it and be like, Oh, you're in a cult. I got to break you out of this. It's like, well, what, what is that person going to do? You know, it's like, if that yeah. person didn't want to be there they wouldn't be unless they're literally being held captive like by some type of scientology situation which well, does i would happen, like to see but. like justice or financial recompense for the people because they are like one thing that you can pinpoint to is like a material literal thing is okay. like these people have been working for free and these guys businesses so that this they just violates have, labor laws then at this point. Yeah, yeah yeah you know it's like i would call it slave labor i mean that's just a clear breach of the law then yeah and 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 there's laws to cover that yeah um and you know that's not like a philosophical point Mm-mm. like that's just Mm-mm. like a literal you know yeah. people are taking advantage of you know they have they have a hospice <laughs> so it's like and it's supposed to be like it's the work like the bottom of the barrel hospice in Arizona. So if like your mom's dying and you can't afford any other healthcare, you get these like 
UFO cult oh, nurses Jesus coming Christ. to your house talking about Holy like fuck. Gabriel and the spaceships. Fuck, that's so grim. Oh, my headphones popped out. I didn't hear that. Oh, I just said that's so grim. Yeah, it is. You know, singing them songs oh, about Jesus. spaceships and stuff. And um, and they have a hemp farm. So like, <laughs> you know, so people are working for free for the hemp farm. They'll probably make a lot of money uh, now then. Yeah, yeah, they made pretty good in that book. I have to send you, I broke down the finances. Hmm. Um, but you know, like my friend, Laura, who was in Jonestown, she spent her whole life from 1978 until, you know, the last, maybe the last 10 years trying to figure out, like, obviously it was a deadly cult. Obviously a lot of people were murdered and she, you know, went to her grave feeling terrible about that, but she just couldn't also, she was trying to, she had like a net positive experience up until the very end. Yeah. And she's been trying to kind of like thread that needle her entire adult life. Like, Yeah. There's something about that that I've experienced where it's like a lot of these things. I mean, people do have this like fundamental need, like you said, like this need for to be injected occasionally with a rationality. But it's not just that. I don't think it's like people have a need for mystery. Um, mm. and they do why I don't know, you know, but, but I think I do, I think we all have that. Um, and there's this effect that I've noticed. It might be with cults. It might just be with an abusive relationship often seems to have the same thing where you're considering something and it could be a group. It could be a cult leader. It could be an abusive partner. And it's just like this pool of black ink that you're like scrying into and you're just like i yeah. this has to make sense often if you interact with people who are severely mentally ill but charismatic you can mm -hmm. get into this paralyzation where you're just like i need to figure this out but there's no yeah. there's nothing to figure out it's just this like pool of dark fascination that will just suck you in forever and ever. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, you either get sucked in or you reach a point where it's like, well, I've been ripped off once too many yeah. times. Yeah. And it seems to be that it's like either you just stay sucked in or it's like you, you have to have the shock of like, okay, no, like some, a serious line has been crossed here. And sometimes that's not even enough for people. Yeah. There was a kind of a, like a local guru here in Pittsburgh who, you know, was always clearly a piece of shit, but he was always nice to me. So I was just fascinated <laughs> by him, you know? Yeah. There you go. And then what it was is I went to a used bookstore one day and I found a bunch of my books there. I'm like, that son of a bitch came over to my house and borrowed like a bunch of books <laughs> and hawked them all. He's like, that's it. That's like, that's, that's the like, line. That's like junkie behavior. Oh yeah. No, what an insult. <laughs> yeah. That's super sketch. Well, what have we learned today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I hope you're, uh, you know, I think, I think, I think it all vaguely kind of tied into the same. I've been, I've been waiting to talk to you for, we haven't had a conversation yeah. in 10 years probably. Is that so good? Good googly moogly. Yeah. Is it that long? Yeah. I mean, time flies. I, I left the verge at 2014. Oh my God. I don't know if I ever properly apologized for your story getting killed. Oh no, I, I that was fine. I uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it I, turned out really good. I, what was that? That it. was like the porn, porn witches. The porn witches <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, I was pulling at straws there for ideas <laughs> <laughs> for content. Yeah, um, yeah. You remember you were like it was like I was going to interview Sasha Gray and yeah. and I was like. Yeah, you were my editor at the time. And I was like, yeah, I talked to Sasha Gray's agent and 
he was like, Sasha has a novel coming out. Can you wait to publish the story until her novel comes, which apparently never happened. And you were just like, no, just like, no, cut it off now. (laughs) That's where I kind of drew the line. And it's like, you met Sasha though, right? No, I did not. Uh -uh. You didn't? uh, Oh, it didn't even, the the whole deal fell through. Yeah. It's funny. I still, to this day, keep like reading about how she's like a, you know, an intellectual porn star. And that's like her whole thing. I think she's a Twitch streamer now. She quit porn and became, did a Twitch, started a Twitch stream. I guess it pays better. I can't remember who I was reading recently who were talking about like meeting Sasha Gray and being totally impressed by her intellect. And it's like, it's everything's a brand. It's like, I'm so glad to not be, I, I think I think 2020 really killed journalism for me in the sense How that it's so? like when you can no longer go and it was kind of like a combination of like in Pennsylvania, I don't know. I think California was much more severe, but in Pennsylvania, the lockdown is really like three weeks, you know, like it oh, was California like, was like a year and everyone was put out of work. Yeah. In, in Pennsylvania, it was like literally like unless you were in a key industry you were home for three weeks, hmm. but then like yeah, after three much, weeks, much, everybody much realized sane. that it was bullshit and stopped. You know, my neighborhood, there was never a pandemic. Like, okay. You know, when you got into like the shitty neighborhoods, it was just like, well, to be fair, I mean like where I was in LA was like the epicenter of the epicenter. Of, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 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 It was real. So, like yeah. I'm not like, but, but it was yeah, just, it was, brutal it was amazing California. to me how it was hyper local. Like the, you know, people's experience. And that led to like people, you know, thinking that it wasn't, that it was a pandemic. Cause right. like didn't affect a lot of people in like small, tiny, hyper local until it did. Right. Well, them. also if you lock people in their houses, you're, you're not letting them encounter what's actually happening. So their yes, minds are spinning yes. out. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. What a weird, I don't know. What do, what do you, uh, I hate, well, to, I hate to end on this, but like, what do you think that the the long term effects of that are going to be? I mean, I, I feel like everyone has, it's certainly myself, has experienced at least temporary insanity, and hopefully we will return. Oh, I lost it. Like yeah, I completely lost it. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm like a pretty extreme introvert, but what I learned during the lockdown is that I seriously need human interaction like everybody else it's just my my threshold is a lot lower Mm. so it's like i think i'm doing fine until i'm not yeah i'm pretty i'm extremely introverted as i'm I'm basically on permanent lockdown um (laughs) just because i'm like i'm too sketched out by the society to interact with it anymore yeah but well um, you know and then like the journalism thing um bring it back to your question was Mm. that you know journalism journalism is the only way i interact with human beings and i love it and it's like it's like i have license to not be the introvert that i tend to be yeah yeah so i'm hanging out with militia people and cult members and whoever fascinates me and uh con art internet con artists Mm -hmm. and it's like there was a point where all of a sudden that kind of journalism wasn't happening and everybody went on youtube went on substack became like these insta pundits where reporting stopped. And I don't think the internet's really recovered. Everybody I know who was like, their career was dangling by a thread. Hmm. Now they're just on Twitter and Substack and pot their podcast and on YouTube sharing their shitty opinion about every little thing. Right. Not right. doing any it's, real it's, journalism. Yeah. Yeah. And I refuse to do that. 
I'm not good at it. I couldn't figure out how to make it pay and I really hate doing it. Yeah. So it's, it's a bad so combo. I kind of like refused to stop doing like longer features and writing books. And it's just like, I'm like a dinosaur. There's no room for me in this culture. So I don't know. I mean, I still feel that, um, but I feel that books are more powerful than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not pay well, unfortunately, but I think people value them now in a way they didn't before. And I think long form podcasts are really, uh, when they're done right, really are a godsend mm-hmm. because they've proven that people have a vast attention span for long content. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of figuring out how to making it, you know, I, what, what really happened was I, I think you were, I think perhaps you were in a similar situation, except you came up with a really cool platform so you could avoid the whole publishing world if you want to, you know? Um, but it's like, I was working uh, on the fringes, all these like conspiracy stories, you know, the high minded cult stories that we've been talking about for the last hour, you know, nobody wanted to hear it. Yeah. And then, and then in 2020, it became like important to understand. And then, all these, you know, the New Yorker, the New Republic, they all got their best guys on it. <laughs> it's hmm. like I've been, okay. I've been in, in these that trenches for 20 sucks. years. And I'm yeah. sure none of them understood and, what was going on. Yeah. You know, it's just the editors have their friends. And I just realized like, wow, you're in the club or you're not. Yeah. That's, I don't want to be in the club. It's, I mean, yeah, I it's want- so unfortunate. It's it's uh-huh. bad for society, too, I think, uh, because um you know, however you feel about Glenn Greenwald, and he's definitely gone off the rails. Um, he made the point of at one point where he was saying that it's not like there's some top-down media control. It's just that like all these people go to the same schools, have yeah. the same professors, hang out with each other. Like they're all in their own echo chamber, mm-hmm. and so of course there's going to be like, like uniformity of opinion, and that's it's just bad for society, particularly when you combine it with this like, you know pvp realm version of of uh like combat combat yeah. ideology that we're all in now but also i think like it is unfortunate that since certainly since 2020 so i think even since uh, trump was elected but after going through QAnon and all the like insanity in 2020 it's just like nobody wants to hear about conspiracy theories anymore like they don't yep. want to know about fringe beliefs it's just all uncomfortable and dangerous like maybe somebody knows a relative who died because they were an anti-vaxxer you know it's like Mm -hmm. maybe somebody has a relative who's in QAnon. you know it's like a furry got into congress for god's sake Mm -hmm. you know so it's just like people it's just unpleasant for people and i think understandably so but that sucks because you know it's it's a lot of fun also yeah and uh, you know it's like whatever we're just going to keep doing our weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yep. happens around us is going to happen around us. You know? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, well, we should definitely talk again. Um, definitely. I, absolutely. Uh, I hope that next time I see you, you're wearing a turquoise robe with a, uh, a, a crystal, uh, headband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you have to like end the podcast or are you just gonna No. I just, okay. just like whatever. Um, one thing I want to ask you real quick before I go eat something because my blood sugar just dropped. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been chewing cough drops the whole time. <laughs> the, um, did Leary, you know, his Leary and Brian Barrett's um, experiments with the with the ethers, did they leave any record of that? Like, That's a great question. Um, 
I could ask Zach about that. Uh, but so I'm trying to remember what the story was like. Like he, it's like he he was doing that when he was in prison, right? He was calling. No, him. no. So him and um, yeah, I completely Brian forgot. I completely forgot the about desert, that. I forgot and about they, that. They realized they were in Bausada or however you pronounce it. Oh, really? They're like, oh shit! <laughs> wow, I didn't know even know the whole story to this. Yeah, yeah. So they scribed the ethers. They were just like, holy fuck! How do we end up here? How do you yeah. end? That's like the middle of nowhere. How do you just end up? Yeah, there? they're like on a dune. It's and, like and literally the middle like, of nowhere. I think they were tripping and they saw like a figure in a robe, and they're like, "Was that Crowley?" <laughs> so they scribed the ethers, but I don't know that there's. I think Brian might have. I thought that published. he was doing it in prison. Oh really? <sighs> Because he didn't have anything else to do. That was oh, what really? I remember. That's, I mean, I could be wrong. That's just I could how be I remember misremembering it. too. Yeah. But at some point, they he did that, and because um, that was like the know, same era where he did like the Starseed transmissions, mm, right? I, yeah, I think I think I think the um, the ether, the scrying the ethers came, you know, before he was busted, and then okay. you know when he went to Folsom was when the Starseed transmissions and stuff. Maybe there was a little overlap there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I'm wondering. That would be um, interesting, right? Yeah. Cause it's like, cause that was, I just, I never finished uh, John D and the Empire of the Angels. So I, when we I, started talking, I, I'm like, I can't believe I forgot that. I should have put that in the book. I completely yeah. forgot. Well, you know, about you that. mentioned, you know, you made a passing reference to Leary and, um, you know, when, when discussing Parsons and Crowley and, and, and I was like, it's interesting because, you know, we have the vision in the voice and we have whatever Jack did and you like, and you discussed all those things. And I was like, Oh, there's, there's a gap here. I don't know. Oh, what. I completely. Fuck. I wish I'd talked to you. I completely forgot about that. I wonder how like significant that was though. Um, yeah. Cause I do remember reading. I remember reading that when I was working at Disinfo and it was in, I think like Brian Barrett's article in the book of lies, mm -hmm. but I can't remember. Um, fully what the story was other than it was interesting i the way that i remember it is that he was just in jail and he was doing that to kind of like get out of his prison oh, cell really? in a way um but i could be wrong um and yeah. i leary definitely thought just like everyone does that he was the incarnate reincarnation of, of crowley and was here to finish his work yeah, and i love and all that love that all right i i can tell you need to go chillax and, and on that note <laughs> <laughs> on that note um, um it was super good to talk to you yeah definitely let's let's do it again sometime. okay sounds good all right good luck okay. with the book too or and yeah. are you any oh i do need to ask at the end where can um, people find out more about you and your stuff and where to get the book and all of that all right uh facebook at or facebook, not on facebook. <laughs> twitter at lenny flatley or um lenny flatley.net or just google and it's going to be very confusing because my byline and my, my actual name is Joseph L. Flatley. So, um, but if you go to lennyflatley.net, there's all my links and you can see articles. Um, you, and also failedstateupdate.com, my, um, my news site that was started by some kind of weird Bitcoin baron that is kind of not, I'm not doing it right now, but funded, I should say, by some kind of weird Bitcoin baron. I'm not doing anything with it right now, but there's years of really in-depth features, articles about this kind of stuff. Awesome. Guys will probably find it. Failed, failed state update. Yeah. All right. I'm going to check that out. Okay. All right. Awesome to talk, talk to soon. you. Talk to you later.
All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic, meditation, and mysticism, where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class. And until next time, hang in there.